Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Greetings and welcome to the College Investor Audio Show. So glad you're along today. We'll take a look at everything to know about IBR and PAYE, or pay. If you have big student loans, a lower income, or maybe both, you probably see the acronyms IBR and PAY tossed around a lot as you look for ways to make your budget work without defaulting on your debt and wrecking your credit score in the process. Both IBR and PAYE offer lower monthly payments and eventually loan forgiveness to people that meet their standards. Yeah, we've mentioned them a lot and on multiple occasions, but today's podcast goes really in-depth on what these programs are, where they come from, and how they can help you manage your monthly budget and eventually ditch your debt. What is discretionary income? Because both IBR and pay rely on discretionary income to calculate your payment, it's worth understanding what this is before we get into how the programs work. Discretionary income has a technical definition under federal education law. The government will calculate it for you when you apply for IBR or pay, but you can estimate it now. Find your adjusted gross income, that's the money you pay federal taxes on, as distinct from your total gross income. Find the federal poverty guidelines for your location and family size and multiply that number by 1.5. Subtract number 2 from number 1 to find your annual discretionary income, then divide by 12 for your monthly discretionary income. Basically, the government thinks some level of income should not be available for student loan repayment, whereas anything you make above that line is available for student loan repayment. IBR. What it is and where it comes from. IBR stands for Income-Based Repayment, and it's exactly that, a payment program for your student loans that is tied to your income. Sometimes people talk about IBR casually to mean all types of income-driven repayment plans, but it's actually a specific federal program for certain types of borrowers. It's been around since 2007, when President George W. Bush signed a big overhaul of federal financial aid practices. It was one of the first of a group of programs that has recognized the reality that some people take out a lot of debt in anticipation of an income they just can't get. Since there's almost no way to discharge student debt in bankruptcy, these programs now at least offer some kind of way forward for borrowers with federal, not private, loans. IBR. Who is eligible and what types of loans are included? The federal government maintains a big guide to all the various programs for loan repayment. As always, make sure to check the source to see if anything's changed. But as of right now, you can apply for IBR if you borrowed through the Direct Loan or Federal Family Education Loan, FFEL, programs, your loans are direct loans, subsidized or unsubsidized, federal Stafford loans, subsidized or unsubsidized, direct or FFEL plus loans made to students, and direct or FFEL consolidation loans that do not include parent plus loans. Your payment amount under IBR's calculation would be less than your payment under the standard 10-year repayment plan. Note that parents who borrow plus loans are kind of screwed by this program, <laughs> as well as by pay below. It's generally a lot easier for a former student to get loan relief, so be really careful about taking out loans if you're a parent, especially if you don't feel like your income is secure. IBR, how payments are calculated. 
So IBR payments are calculated based on, you know, your income, but also on what state you're in and your family size. They are set at 10 or 15% of your discretionary income, what we just talked about earlier, and recalculated every year based on updated information you provide about your income and family size. Whether your payment is 10% or 15% of your discretionary income depends on when you took out the loan. If you took it out after July 1st, 2014, you're in luck. If you have an older loan and qualify for pay, we'll get to that in just a second, you'll be in better shape there. IBR, how to apply. You can apply for IBR through the Department of Education, and we have a link to it at thecollegeinvestor.com. Note, you have to submit a separate application for each loan servicer if you have more than one. This application actually is good for all the student loan income-driven programs, including IBR. You can ask for a specific program or allow your student loan servicer to determine what you're eligible for. You'll need to submit information about your family size, location, and adjusted gross income so that the government can calculate your payment. If your AGI is pretty close to what's been on your recent federal tax returns, this will be an easy process. If you're applying because of recent job loss or income drop, however, you'll need to provide some alternative documentation, like pay stubs. IBR, Payoff and Loan Forgiveness Getting the most out of IBR depends heavily on keeping up to date on your paperwork. You have to recertify your income and family size every year, reporting any changes. If you miss the deadline, accrued interest will be capitalized, very bad, and your monthly payment will revert to what it would be under the standard 10-year plan. So seriously, don't miss the deadline. However, if you start IBR today, then if you keep on making your payments for 20 or 25 years for loans made before July 1st, 2014, any remaining balance will be forgiven with the caveat that under current law, you'll have to pay income taxes on any forgiven debt. Pay. What is it? And where does it come from? Pay stands for pay as you earn. It's been around since 2012 and was signed into law as part of another big student loan reform under President Obama. While you're in the program, your monthly payments will be a maximum of 10% of your discretionary income. Another benefit pay has is that while you're in it, interest is not capitalized. When you leave the program, accrued interest will be capitalized, but only up to a point. The capitalized interest can't increase the principal by more than 10%. This is a big deal if you end up leaving the program because when interest is capitalized and you start paying interest on your interest, things can get out of control really easily. Pay. Who and what loans are eligible? Pay has stricter eligibility standards than IBR, so although it's a better deal for borrowers who qualify, you may not, in which case, check out the IBR section. You must be a new borrower on or after October 1st, 2007. Being a new borrower means that at that time you didn't have an outstanding balance on an earlier direct loan or FFEL loan. You must have received a direct loan disbursement on or after October 1st, 2011. You have to have a direct subsidized or unsubsidized loan, a direct plus loan made to you as a student, or a direct consolidation loan that does not include a PLUS loan made to a parent. Your payment amount as calculated by PAYE has to be less than you would be paying on a standard 10-year plan. Once again, be careful 
before you take out a Parent PLUS loan for your kids, because it's really hard to get relief for those. Pay. How payments are calculated and what happens to interest while you're in this program. Your monthly payment will be 10% of your discretionary income. If this payment doesn't cover the interest on your loans, then they will keep growing. Let's say you can only afford $100 a month, 10% of your discretionary income, and your loan accumulates $200 of interest a month. That leaves you with $100 a month of what's called excess interest. Pay will forgive half of that, meaning that instead of growing by $100 a month, it'll grow by $50 a month. Not amazing, but better than nothing. If your income grows to the point where you leave the program, excess interest will be capitalized, but only up to where 10% is added to the principal. Phew! Pay. How to apply. You can apply for pay in a link that we have at thecollegeinvestor.com. Quick note. You have to submit a separate application for each loan servicer if you have more than one, just like in IBR. This application actually is really good for all the student loan income-driven programs, including IBR. You can ask for a specific program or allow your student loan servicer to determine what you're eligible for. You'll need to submit information about your family size, location, adjusted gross income, so that the government can calculate your payment. And also, just like IBR, if your AGI is pretty close to what's been on your recent federal tax returns, this is going to be an easy process for you. If you're applying because of a recent job loss or income drop, however, you'll need to provide some alternative documentation, like pay stubs. Pay, pay off in loan forgiveness. As with IBR that we talked about earlier, you have to recertify your income and family size every year. Don't miss the deadline. If you do, not only will accrued interest capitalize, but your payment will be reset to what it would be under the 10-year standard repayment plan. Very not good. So keeping up with these plans' paperwork is going to be key. The good news, and it could be very good news, is that if you still have debt left after 20 years of pay payments, it will be forgiven. With the caveat and reminder that under current law, you'll have to pay income taxes on the amount forgiven. Please keep that in mind. But what about repay? The revised pay plan was instituted in 2015 and expanded the pay program to borrowers that didn't meet some qualifications for the original flavor of pay. First of all, pay required you to be a fairly recent borrower. But whenever you took out your federal loans, even if it was back in the 90s or early 2000s, or even earlier than that, you can qualify for repay. Also, if your income is a little higher, you may still be eligible for repay even if you don't qualify for IBR or pay. You can only get into IBR or pay if your payment, 10 or 15% of discretionary income, would be lower than your standard payment on the 10-year plan. With repay, you can be eligible even if you're not at that point. Why might this be beneficial? If you anticipate your family size increasing or your income dropping, you can start the 20-year clock on making repay payments now, instead of waiting, and your payment will always still be capped at 10% of discretionary income. Repay differs in a few other ways from IBR and pay. Your spouse's income will figure into determining your discretionary income, even if you file taxes separately. You may end up paying more interest than you would under pay, because pay includes some interest forgiveness provisions that repay doesn't. For most people, 
Pay is probably a better deal if you qualify, but if you don't, repay might be a better option than IBR. Are there any downsides to either IBR or pay? Well, yes. <laughs> They're great options if you have a lot of debt relative to your income, but you should know that there are some downsides. First, you'll end up paying more over time than you would if you just paid them off in 10 years or even less. This is because you'll be paying for 20 or 25 years. So even with a lower payment per month, it's going to add up. Second, as of right now, you will have to pay income taxes on any debt that's forgiven. That could be a huge problem if your debt keeps growing over time. Many IBR and pay payments don't cover the interest. So the loans keep growing. And what ends up getting forgiven is tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yikes. This is a long way in the future for most borrowers, but it's good to be aware of it and try to lobby lawmakers to do something about this before it starts really hitting people hard. Third, relative to standard payment plans, it's just more of a pain and more paperwork. You have to keep recertifying and providing new information every year. None of these downsides should stop you from pursuing IBR or pay if you qualify. These programs can be lifesavers if you simply can't afford the standard payments. But if you can make standard payments, those are probably going to be a better option to avoid these downsides. It's a better option because you pay less too. The bottom line? If you're struggling with huge loans and a low income, pay or IBR could massively reduce the amount you have to come up with each month. That's not going to solve all your problems, but even 10% of your discretionary income might end up feeling like a lot. But they can prevent you from ruining your credit and they do provide a path forward to forgiveness even though it's pretty far in the future. If you're in this situation, you should definitely consider applying with 20 or 25 years of payments ahead. Starting as soon as possible will enable you to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that is our show for today. If anything, I hope it was helpful. If you're in this situation, please, you can dig in deeper. You can see all the links and resources we have for you at thecollegeinvestor.com so you can determine which path is the best for you and your family. Thanks again for stopping by today. Once again, check out thecollegeinvestor.com. We'll talk to you again real soon.